Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In three, two, one... Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East, and this, this is the Sunday Sun. In today's episode, we hear about how drugs at Glastonbury Festival could be impacting wildlife, how teleportation could be on the way, and we hear from a tech expert on Amazon's new robot. But first, it was on this day in 1951 that Charles Ginsburg invented the first videotape recorder. 70 years later, we may have moved on from VHS, but his invention changed the world of video forever. Now, if you're anything like me, you've got a whole drawer filled with a jumble of countless random charges. What if you could whittle down your stockpile by using just one for all your devices? I mean, that's the dream, right? Well, that's exactly what the European Commission wants to do. Under their proposal, a USB-C cable, currently used for most Android devices, will become the standard port for all smartphones and game consoles. Not only would this be hugely convenient for us, it's far better for the environment. The second part of the proposal is that new chargers aren't automatically sold in the same box with new devices and that charging speeds are standardised. The EU says the move will save 1,000 tonnes of electronic waste and 2,500 tonnes of raw material per year. Needless to say, environmentalists are happy. This is Tim Gore from the Institute for European Environmental Policy speaking to Al Jazeera. When it's wasted, you know, the, uh, there's a lot of toxic substances included which get leached into soils, into water, and they're hazardous to the people that are, that are disposing of that waste as well. So there's massive environmental benefits from this move. It's only a small step, but it's absolutely a blow against that model of the electronics industry built on proprietary technology and inbuilt obsolescence, so it's, which is driving overconsumption. Despite the obvious benefits for the consumer, there's one company that isn't quite as happy. Apple's come out against the move and said that strict regulation that mandates just one type of connector stifles innovation rather than encouraging it. Thierry Breton, European Commissioner for Internal Markets, doesn't agree. No, it's not at all against innovation. By the way, it's not against anyone. It is just like everything we do, uh, uh, and like everything I do as a commissioner and everything we do in commission, it's for the consumers. Attracting nearly 200,000 attendees each year, Glastonbury Festival is indisputably the king of UK summer festivals. Attended by 1,500 hippies, five dogs and one goat, the first Glastonbury Festival in 1970 was a different beast altogether to the one we know today. But some things never change. At the last festival in 2019, thousands of revellers descended on Worthy Farm for five days of carefree fun. And fun they certainly did have. To assess the impact of the festival on local ecology, a group of researchers from Bangor University recorded the levels of illicit drugs in the water during and after the festival, paying particular attention to MDMA and cocaine. 
we measured the water flowing uh, into the festival and then the water flowing out. Uh, and we found that during the festival and then um, straight away just afterwards, the levels for cocaine and MGMA were, were high. Um, so high, in fact, that they could be classed um, as environmentally damaging. That's Dr. Christian Dunn, a researcher from Bangor, talking to Bauer Media News. The levels were such that they could potentially um, damage the life cycles of certain organisms in the river um, and also the actual kind of the ecosystems themselves. If you're wondering how the drugs got there in the first place. Previous research suggests um, that it is that that urine, that public urination, um, the drugs which might be in people's urine, um, finding its way um, into the watercourse. The good news is that Glastonbury Festival, you know, it's only on for a short period of time. So these huge spikes that we were seeing um, in the illicit drug levels, um, that will obviously potentially slow down over time. Um, and, and so the impact, hopefully, is not going to be too great. But we don't really want any of these kind of levels of drugs hitting the hitting our waterways, even for a short period of time. We want our waterways to be as clean as they possibly can, you know. And we know, for example, there's a, a real clear evidence um, that eels, European eels, which are you know are a, a rare protected species in the UK, um, are um, very affected uh, by levels of cocaine in the water. Um, and again, in the area around Glastonbury, there is being work done to encourage eel populations, and we need to be doing everything we can to um, to help that process. Still to come on the Sunday 7, virtual teleportation and it's bad news for Australia's koalas. You've probably heard of 5G by now, but what about 6G? Well, it's on the way and researchers in the UK are hoping to harness it to enable virtual teleportation. In 6G, we are trying to turn a science fiction into a science fact. That's Professor Raheem Tafazoli, the founder and director of the Institute for Communication Systems, talking with Reuters News. Whilst 5G is still being rolled out, his team are looking well beyond with virtual teleportation. Since 1G all the way to 5G, we managed to transmit only two of the human senses, seeing and hearing. And we are trying to add the other three human senses, touch, taste, and smell. And if you think 5G's fast, it's just not fast enough. Professor Tafazoli says that enabling VR images to interact requires online synchronization with internet speeds much faster than even 5G can offer. Once superfast 6G arrives, it will open up a whole new range of communication possibilities. In 5G, we can transmit three-dimensional, 360-degree virtual reality of any object, a person. But what is not possible in 5G to do is to have interaction. Interactions between virtual reality of people, objects, robots, and so on and so. And that is enabled in what we call 6G by high accurate time synchronization. In addition to interactivity, we are adding these other human senses and that, at any point, you can interact with your GP. Your GP could appear in your house, touch your hand, feel your temperature, shake your hands, as if you are in a GP and seeing him in a face-to-face. And the uses don't just end there. The technology could allow our VR personalities to do much more than just interact on screen and could even bring an end to loneliness. 
So this teleportation, the concept that we, are, we have and we are working on, would make the life much better and more, uh, more natural remotely. We can interact, we can see our loved ones, we can interact with the rest of the family, the friends, irrespective of the location we are in. It's a sobering statistic. Australia has lost about 30% of its koalas over the past three years. According to the independent non-profit group, the koala population has dropped to less than 58,000 this year from more than 80,000 in 2018. In some areas, there are less than a dozen and... There are some places in Australia that will never have a koala again. Those areas will almost certainly go up unless things change quickly. Environmentalists have been asking the government to protect the koala's natural habitats, which have been destroyed by bushfires and drought. 41% in New South Wales is predictable, isn't it? Because of the bushfires, there was a huge amount. of. But interestingly enough, some of those habitats were empty anyway. So it's not like the koala numbers dropped. What we're concerned about is places like Western uh, New South Wales, where the drought over the last 10 years has just had this cumulative effect. Um, river systems completely dry for years. River red gums, which are the lifeblood of koalas, dead. This is Deborah Tabart, chair of the Australian Koala Foundation. Besides the impact of drought and fires, land clearing by property developers and road builders has destroyed the iconic marsupial's habitat and the Australian Koala Foundation has urged the government to act. I want new legislation, a Koala Protection Act. This species, whether we like it or not, is an icon of Australia. We don't have to argue that. If we had a piece of legislation that said you industry or you private landholder cannot wantonly destroy trees everything would be okay because i've been on enough committees with coal mines developers road builders and whatever where they just want the quick fix knock it all down build it call it koala drive and they're all dead i do believe that industry and koalas can coexist how we can tap into unlimited energy and we speak to a tech expert all about Amazon's new robot right after this. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso, or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. breakthrough in skin cancer detection has just landed. A world-first centre for early skin care detection has been launched as a collaboration between three Australian universities. Researchers are using body scanning technology to create an algorithm which could be a game-changer for how we treat the disease. 
Every year in Australia, skin cancers account for around 80% of all newly diagnosed cancers. 15,000 Aussies have now been invited to take part in a study that will track moles and skin spots. So how does the machine work? Well, a patient stands within a scaffold surrounded by 46 cameras, each of which takes an image at the same time. A computer program then stitches these images together to produce a 3D model that replicates the skin surface in complete detail. So the main thing for this is that we will have in just one photo the whole body scanned. So we will be able to get a baseline photo of every patient or every subject that comes into the study. And then we can follow these people along the years and see if any lesion changes or grows or looks that it's going to evolve into a melanoma. And then as soon as it starts to change, we can remove it. That's Pablo Fernandez-Pena from the University of Sydney explaining to Australia's 7 News. And as he says, with this machine, you're getting a much better and more detailed image than you would with a trip to the GP. The main thing that we have is that we cannot memorise how the skin was in the past. Dermatologists, we tend to take a lot of photos, but that is taken with a handheld camera, taking one here, one there. Now we are going to do only one flash. We have the whole skin. We have a recording on how your skin is today, and we can see any changes in the future. This presents a huge step for a country where skin cancer is the third most common form, and researchers like University of Queensland Tal Prow have high hopes. So I think what this technology gives us is the ability um, to not only collaborate between hospitals and the University of Queensland, but also give patients the ability to have fewer excisions, monitor melanoma more closely, and hopefully save lives at the end of the day. It's an unlimited resource entirely. It's, you, it's inexhaustible. What if I told you we have an unlimited supply of clean energy right under our feet? It's called geothermal energy. It works by harvesting heat found just under the Earth's surface. The core of the Earth is estimated to be around 5,200 degrees Celsius, which is as hot as the surface of the sun. When wells are drilled a mile or so deeper, rising hot water or steam can be captured for heat or to rotate turbines to produce electricity. In this concept, several wells are drilled at the bottom of the well. The rock is fractured. It creates a reservoir under the surface. Think of it as a, a pot where you boil your water underground, right? You send a fluid down, it percolates through the fractures, it comes back up really hot, and we use it for all sorts of, of interesting and important things, like heating buildings directly, or we can run it through a turbine to produce electricity. That's Jamie C. Beard, the executive director of the Geothermal Entrepreneurship Organization, talking on the TED stage earlier this year. According to Jamie, geothermal energy can be made more accessible by borrowing techniques from fracking and improving on it. Whilst this process is not currently technically carbon neutral, it's minimal compared to the current emissions from fossil fuel. But there might be an option to change that. The working fluid to harvest the heat, right? Most of the time it's water. But what if we could optimize a fluid to perform better than water? One everybody loves right now to round us in excess and abundance. It's CO2. You take the best of both worlds, right? You get the increased surface area and heat that you get from fracturing rock. You combine that with a closed loop well design so you can use that optimized fluid. The goal of hybrid systems is to extract the most heat, minimize drilling costs. Here's Jamie again talking with Now This. If you look at oil and gas core competencies, 
it makes a whole lot of sense for them to do something that they already know how to do, where they could actually lead and be on a front foot with their core skill set instead of kind of chasing you know, solar and wind trying to add value, which is for some of these bigger entities, um, they're having a hard time seeing that. Now, let me show you something else we've been working on. Astro, join me on stage. Move over Tesla and Boston Dynamics. This week at Amazon's autumn event, the tech giant revealed its very own household robot, Astro. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to a new kind of household robot that integrates Alexa, advanced hardware, software, computer vision, and AI in a brand new way. And it's a beautiful illustration of how ambient computing can improve customers' lives in a way that traditional consumer electronics just can't. And what exactly can it do? Well, this household robot can be remote controlled when not at home to check on pets, people, or home security. Amazon's presented the device as an engineering breakthrough, and according to their promo video, an ultimate robot that can help around the house and even bring you a beer at the end of a long, hard day. It sounds somewhat promising, but at almost $1,000, we've got a few doubts. So we spoke to tech correspondent Chris Merriman to get his thoughts. It's absolute nonsense. Essentially what it is, is an Alexa um, on a robot vacuum cleaner that doesn't vacuum. Um, it doesn't really do anything that existing products don't already do. It's just doing them in a new form. In terms of this idea that we've been promised for decades about uh, robot butlers, this ain't it, I'm afraid. Has it got any redeeming qualities? What's it going to be useful for? One thing that I thought was quite cute, again, probably not worth $1,000, but um, it's got a little periscope camera, so you could actually, if you were out, uh, you could physically send a robot and send its little periscope up and see if you've left the gas on, which I thought was quite a neat touch. But again, you know, this is a very, very expensive way of doing something. Like many big tech companies, there's always a question of privacy here. Are there any privacy concerns around this? anything Amazon, Alexa, Ring, then you're going to have to question the privacy. Essentially, what you've got is a physical embodiment of the privacy questions that people already have about Amazon and Alexa. Because all it is is an Alexa on wheels, essentially. The ad still makes a case for its usefulness. Do you think it's going to perform as promised, though? There have been stories from the developers who say that Amazon have released it before it's ready. Um, I did see something where um, a developer claimed that it will actively throw itself downstairs if it has a choice to or not to. Um, and also the facial recognition doesn't always work properly and it'll start chasing you around when you, you're the one whose robot it is. So... I, I I think with all of these things, though, you know, we're, we're all walking beta testers for, for new technology. It's the first of its kind. It will be riddled with bugs. And it's a case of whether you're willing to pay $1,000 to be one of their bug squashers. This has been The Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Produced and published by Daft Doris. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.